Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's up, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix back. And as you know, I'm a physical therapist with Physio Room, and this is the code that you're listening to. As I typically say, I really appreciate you guys being on here, no matter who you are, where you are, how you're listening to this, you know, any of those different podcast platforms, websites, whatever that might be. Really, really appreciate your time for being on here. And um, hopefully you find some value in this episode. Uh, today, what we're going to talk about is deliberate cold exposure. And uh, I use the term deliberate just in the sense of like you are choosing to put yourself in a cold environment. Think of ice baths, cryotherapy chambers, whatever that might be. And um, what I definitely want to do is give credit where credit is due. So if you want a much more in-depth, more lengthy version of a similar topic, um, I would encourage you to hop on over to the Huberman Lab podcast with Dr. Andrew Huberman, uh, episode 66, where he does a deep dive on deliberate cold exposure and the effects that that has on our health and our performance and strategies for implementing that into a routine or a protocol, as he likes to say, for yourself. So we're going to hit the highlights of this topic, but we're not going to go nearly in depth uh, like the quality of in depth that he does on that episode where it's it's about two hours long and um, it's a really, really uh, informative episode. But cold exposure is, it's like a buzzword right now, like ice baths, cold plunges, all this stuff. You know, you're hearing about it, you're seeing about it on social media, you're hearing about it on commercials, whatever that might be. I mean, I get ads for this stuff all the time, probably because I'm talking about it uh, with friends, with colleagues, with clients. And it's just something that's very pertinent right now. And um, maybe you, you know, are familiar with or hear the term biohacking. People are trying to use cold exposure to biohack their way uh, into better mental and physical performance. So what we're going to try to do today is just sort of talk about like, if you're going to do that, why should you do it? First of all, are you just doing it because your friends do? Are you doing it because someone told you? Or you're doing it because you understand some of the purposes behind what it's actually going to cause or provide you? And then if you're going to do it, we'll try to share some easy strategies for how cold, how should you set it up, what's a more expensive but maybe better version uh, or more convenient version, what's a, a cheaper option that's a little bit more accessible to more people, and um, and we'll go from there. So so I guess before, you know, before we dive too deep into some of the effects of ice baths and cold plunges and cold exposure, I think it's just important important to point out that you know throughout the day we have what's called a circadian rhythm, and you guys are probably familiar with this. But uh, essentially, what that means is you know there are times in the day where our energy rises and lowers. It affects our sleep and wake cycle. The light in the sun is highly involved with that. But along with that, along with that circadian rhythm, there are times throughout the day in which our core body temperature or the 
the heat that our body is rises and lowers. And one of the most important things to point out is when our core body temperature rises, that is typically uh, one of the times is when we wake up in the morning, our body gets a little bit too warm in our sleeping environment. And then as a result of that, we wake up the point in which you are coldest is a couple hours before you actually wake up. So that that's a point where you're cold, your body's core temperature is colder. So as, as we start diving in and as we start talking about when you might do cold exposure stuff, they really dive into this on that Huberman Lab podcast is, you know, might not be the best idea right before you go to bed because even though you would think jumping in the ice bath or in some sort of a cold plunge would cool you down, and I guess it does in the moment, However, the physiological effect that that has on your body is one of warming you up, right? Because as a result of you getting in that cold environment, your body is triggered to try and heat you back up. And that might involve shivering, that might involve, you know, just a bunch of metabolic processes in your body. So a couple hours after that ice bath, you might actually be quite warm. Um, and that may be a hindrance on you trying to fall asleep if you did this right before bedtime. So just something to consider. And, you know, kind of pointing out that there is this big effect on our body. Um, so while we're diving into that, like, what are some of the other effects of doing cold exposure? Whether that's cryotherapy chamber, which I've done a couple times, whether that's an ice bath, which I've done many, many times, um, you know, whether that's taking a hike and hopping in like a waterfall area where the water is really cold. One of the main reasons that a lot of people are starting to do this, uh, or at least more well-known, more readily available, like in the in the social media and in a consumable way that you find out that people are doing this, is as a way to build resilience and to build grit. Because if you've hopped in an ice bath before, and I'll probably continue to use the term ice bath or cold plunge, uh, just as a result of that's what I do. Um, I've been doing this for the past few months and that's the method that, you know, has worked best for me, but, um, but there's other ways, right. That you can get cold exposure to, um, but by building to build resilience and grit, obviously, if you've jumped in one of these before, it's a challenge. It's a mental hurdle that you have to overcome in order to get yourself in that water that you know is cold or right when you step in. If you don't like go all in all at once, like you feel that cold on your legs or on your waist or however far you're uh, you're in there. And my gosh, it is a hurdle and an obstacle that you have to overcome, a mental challenge that you have to get through to sit yourself in there. And one of the benefits of that is it helps with carryover into other activities or other situations in your life, right? Because you know hey, I've climbed this hurdle before, I can do it again. I've jumped in this ice bath three out of the last five days. I know I can do it today because I've done it before. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to be uncomfortable, but it just means there's a little domino effect, positive reinforcement, like you've done this, you can do it, you have confidence going into it that, um, that you can do that. So it just helps with building that resilience and grit. Now. When I introduced the episode, we talked about deliberate cold exposure. One of the ways that we do this is because we are choosing, or one of the ways we build resilience and grit is because we are choosing 
to do this, right? We're not just stranded somewhere and it's cold. And as a result of that, now we're becoming cold. Like we are choosing to put ourselves in there. We're making the decision to do it. And that helps you to train your mind and train this voluntary con- control of, hey, I'm putting myself in this situation that I know is a little bit stressful, but I'm doing this in order to make myself better, right? And as a result, that's the effect that you get because our mind is extremely powerful. The mindset that you go into something with can have a huge effect on the effect that you get out of that activity or situation. I've noticed that as I put myself in these ice baths, I mean, one, I feel like I'm getting a little bit better sleep, which is cool. Um, Now I've been focusing on my sleep. So it's not just the ice baths that are maybe, maybe causing that. However, um, I'm feeling like it's a little bit easier for me to handle stressful situations in other parts of my life, whether that's in a workout or whether that's, you know, traffic and somebody on the road frustrated me. You know, I'm just getting a little bit better at handling and adapting to stress that's in my life as I continue to put myself in intentionally stressful situations because cold, whether you like it or not, has an effect on all of us. It has a chemical neurophysiological effect on us and it is stressful. It's a stressor to the body. And we'll probably do an episode on deliberate heat exposure to also referencing the Huberman lab podcast where they'll go much, much more in depth on that. And I would definitely encourage you to listen to that if you have not already. And if you want to learn more about this topic, but that's one of the biggest reasons that people use cold exposure is to build resilience, build grit, strengthen that like stress handling, stress management kind of muscle, if you will, in their body. Now, another way that I think is also something that you've probably noticed if you've done this, if you've done cold exposure before, is it can be used as a means of increasing your energy and your attention or your focus. And how it does that is by playing on our adrenaline or our noradrenaline um, in our body. As soon as you hop in that cold water or cryotherapy chamber or whatever it is, there is a release of these chemicals in your body that has a direct effect on our ability to focus on our energy We probably all know, at least to some extent, what adrenaline feels like when you get yourself in a situation where maybe there's competition or maybe maybe there was some stress and you you really know that you need to do something. There's some adrenaline that's flowing um, and we can feel how that suppresses some of the other feelings in our body, like fatigue or like, um, you know, being unsure because it makes us focused and it makes us have a heightened sense of awareness uh, when those chemicals are flowing in our body has an effect on the brain has effect on the tissues. So those are probably two of the biggest reasons why people use it. And then the third one that I want to talk about, um, I think is interesting because I didn't necessarily know this one. Um, I sort of felt it maybe, but I didn't know this until I started diving into some of the literature, listened to that other podcast and started to learn more about the true effects of of what cold exposure can do for us. And that is potentially increase our mood or improve our mood. So how does it do that? Well, you know the sound of that ding on your phone and you look at it and you're like, wow, I've got a new notification on Instagram. Somebody liked my photo or somebody liked my video or whatever that is. 
And what does that cause in our body? That causes a release of a chemical called dopamine. And most of us are probably familiar with, with dopamine, at least as a term. But what that does in our body is that improves our mood. It makes us happy, right? So getting into an ice bath has the same effect on our body. It has an effect of releasing dopamine, which can improve our mood. It can also improve our focus and attention. So I just thought that was very interesting because, I mean, we all love the feeling of, you know, people giving us love on, on our phone, on our social media. Someone gives you a compliment. Like, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel great. Well, you can kind of self-manufacture a similar chemical uh, effect on the body, release of that dopamine by doing some deliberate cold exposure. What I thought, I thought was pretty cool. And then another reason that you might do cold exposure, one of the other big, like four main benefits, we talked about resilience and grit, energy and focus, improving our mood is it can have a positive impact on ramping up our body's metabolism. Now, who doesn't want that? right? Who, who wouldn't want their metabolism to be a little bit higher? This is one of the same reasons we talk about people lifting weights and getting stronger is because when you have more lean muscle mass on your body, your metabolism, your metabolic rate, as I like to call it, is higher, which means you burn more calories just being you because you have more muscle and muscle is what we call expensive to maintain, right? It takes calories to maintain that muscle. So by making your body cold, and then forcing your body, we talked about your body has a reaction to getting cold, is it needs to warm itself back up to bring your core body temperature back up. That is expensive to do, right? That takes calories for your body to warm itself back up. Now, I say expensive. It's not like, you know, you're burning thousands of calories to do this. The number of calories is relatively small, but nonetheless, it does rev up your metabolism. So one of the ways... Um, you know, that you might feel that is shivering, you know, shivering, of course, takes some calories to do your body's moving. What's going on code listeners, Dr. Andrew fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at element element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Element's offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physioroom. That's drinklmnt.com slash physioroom to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. One of the really cool things about improving the metabolism is, again, this was something I did not know until I looked looked more into this topic, is our adipose tissue, we have different types of fat cells in our body. And we've got white cells and we have brown, brown fat cells. And basically what those are is the white cells are more of like the storing fat. You know, it's there, it's for energy. It's just kind of being held on to in reserve. And then we have brown fat cells, which are more the fat cells that are metabolically active, being used, kind of converting to energy. Part of that metabolic process that happens in the, in the cold plunge is we transition or convert some of these fat cells from white to brown, which is beneficial in our body, right? So that's a way of um, metabolizing that fat 
and starting that process to be able to potentially use that for energy and not just have it hanging around as storage. Okay. Um, now you can try to play into this a little bit more when you're in the ice bath. And uh, this was a little crazy when I heard this on Huberman's podcast of, you know, ways that you can cause the body to really be more metabolically active. And one thing that happens when we hop in the ice bath is the longer we sit in there, our body is warmer than the water. We start to develop this like thermal layer, warm layer around us kind of as a protective mechanism for our body to keep itself warm in this cool environment. So the more that you can disrupt that, the more challenging that ice bath is going to be, right? So if you're sitting in there, what you'll notice is that initially it is big shock, but if you sit still, usually you can tolerate that. Okay. All depending on the temperature when we'll get to temperature in just a minute, but if that water is circulating and if that water is moving and you don't allow that thermal layer to be present there and you just disrupt that, what you'll notice is that that ice bath is a lot more challenging. It feels and it's perceived as much colder because you don't allow that thermal layer to line your body where that water is just a little bit warmer than the rest of the water in your ice bath. Now, this might be true too for a cryotherapy chamber. Maybe if you move just a little bit, that produces the same effect, but I definitely can't say that with certainty. Um, I have I don't have nearly the experience with that to know. But the more that you can move, the better um, for making that challenge, making that metabolism a little bit more. Now, I will caution you that that is harder. You will find that the ice bath is harder when you do that. Um, another thing is our hands and our feet are two of the parts and the, our cheeks, the upper part of our face, are two and three of the parts of our body that are the most um, successful in expelling heat. Those are the very sensitive parts of our body in terms of temperature regulation. So if you keep your hands and your feet in the ice bath, you'll notice that it's a little bit more challenging. And those are the parts of your body that tend to get really cold. Um, so keeping those in there ramps up the potential effect on your body of doing this cold exposure and then dunking your head will do the same thing because it impacts that section of our face that I just mentioned. Of course, there's a small amount of breath holding that you have to do in, in order to do that. The more that you dunk, stay moving, don't get like huddled up, the more challenging that's going to be for you. And that uh, is what I tell people is like a way to progress your um, tolerance, if you will, to ice baths. You know, if, if you're able to sit in there and it's not too bad, then try to move around a little bit while you're in there and keep that water circulating. There was one day I was sitting in our ice bath here. I have a tank in our garage and my wife came up and she was just like, you know, swirling the water around and my gosh, that made it so much more difficult for me, um, to do that. And after a moment, I, I asked her to stop because I was getting a little bit cold, but, um, but I thought that was interesting. So when we're talking about doing these things and these effects on the body, all of the studies or most of the studies that have been done on these things, um, and this might be how you expose yourself to an ice bath if you've taken one, is I remember when I was in college, I used to sit in these and I would only be in it, you know, like past my stomach, you know, up to maybe my the middle of my trunk, maybe my sternum, chest area. But I wasn't necessarily in there all the way up past my shoulders, like to my neck. That's what a lot of the 
studies that explore the effects of cold exposure is they're talking about being in cold water up past the shoulders, up to the level of the neck, right to the top of the shoulders there. So just for reference, um, that's, that's what some of these, this information comes from, um, is cold exposure up to the neck. Now, if you're going to do this, how cold does it need to be? How cold of a environment do you need to expose yourself to? And the answer, just like a lot of things in physical therapy is it depends, right? It depends on you, the individual, my tolerance might be different than yours, might be different than somebody else's. And the answer is that it's unique to new to you. Now, I'll give you a range that very generally somewhere between 60 and 40 degrees Fahrenheit is generally the uh, the temperature that you're going to want to facilitate some of these effects. But that temperature, I can't just give you an answer. It's going to depend on you. Uh, what I would say is what I see a lot of times advertised on social media is approximately 45 degrees is a good temperature to stay in for a handful of minutes, five, four, somewhere in that range. But you may need to build up to that in order to do that. That might be really hard for you to do. The general rule of thumb is you'll find if you were to hop in 60 degree water, at first it's cold, but it's not that bad, right? Like you can probably, probably almost all of us can tolerate that for a short period of time without getting too frigid. Um, the water that you use, if you're using water or the cryo chamber, the environment that you're using needs to be to get these effects like it and to jump that mental hurdle. It needs to be cold enough that you're uncomfortable when you're in there cold enough that you are thinking, I want to get out of here. However, not so cold that you feel dangerous, like you're in danger or that you're harming yourself and not so cold that you're not able to stay in. Right. So it needs to be cold enough to be uncomfortable to you, but you're able to stay in there. You're able to mentally decide, no, I can do this. I'm going to stay here because I know this could be beneficial for me in a couple different ways. So that would be my recommendation. Shoot for somewhere in that 60 to 40 range. I would suggest, you know, if you're new to this, start towards the top end of that range and gradually work your way down until you find a place that feels appropriate for you. Um, and you can get some of these same effects. Even if you're not at the low end of that range, what that might require, though, is just staying in a little bit longer. And right before we wrap this episode up, I'll tell you, based on some information that I heard on that Huberman podcast and read online, um, as I dove into some of these studies, the um, the recommended dosage or the recommended time that you spend in there if you're going to use cold exposure for any performance or uh, physical performance or mental performance benefits. So 60 to 40 degrees, generally speaking, would be about how cold I would suggest. And then let's talk about some ways that you can accomplish this. So you may be familiar with a, some brands out there called Plunge, like the Plunge cold white um, bathtub or ice barrel. These are a couple of very popular options. There are some others out there. I've seen some brands from different parts of the world that have really cool looking ice baths. And, um, you know, quite frankly, just, you know, at the point that, um, I am in my life and, um, some of these things are just outside of my price range, or I should say outside of the price that I would prefer to pay for this. I'd rather try to accomplish this a different way. And in our housing situation that my wife and I live in now, 
we don't have like a ton of extra space. We don't have a big yard to, to put one of these things. Um, you know, right now, what I have is I have a what's called a black stock tank. Um, it's just a big plastic tub, essentially, that is often used in more like farming situations. I bought this at a um, a store here in Colorado called Murdoch's. It's more of like an outdoor farm type of store. And um, it's just a big plastic tub. It's 100 gallons large. They make other ones too, like 150. So for, you know, I'm five foot nine, 190 pounds. Um, for me, the 100 gallon option is big enough for me, but it would be pretty challenging for two of us to sit in there. I mean, we could do it, but our legs would be real tangled up with each other. Um, if you were looking to maybe get two people in there, you'd probably want the 150 option or something a little bit bigger. Um, same thing with like the ice barrel in the plunge, the typical size that those are, those are pretty much designed for one person. Um, some of these things though, do have a cooling unit that, you know, is powered and plugs in and it can cool and keep the water at a particular temperature for you, which would be a really nice feature. Um, I do wish that I had that. I just didn't want to bite the bullet on the price for those things. Um, so another option that I've seen out there is people taking, you know, big white, like chest freezers that you may have in your garage or in your basement. And then, um, doing a little DIY project on those things and doctoring it up where you just go on to the inside and you have to seal all of the seams so that no water can leak out because there's a lining on the inside of those, but there's a, there are seams in there, um, that if you were to fill it up with water, it, it could leak out and damage it. So you have to seal that with like a sealant, like a caulking type of gun. And, um, and then you can sort of have the same thing. If you get a big one of those, you could sit in there. But like I said, I went with the stock tank version. It was relatively inexpensive. However, then the challenge for me is how do I keep the water cold? And of course, the easiest option, you might be saying, well, Andrew, you just buy ice and you put the ice in there. And that'll cool the water down, which is true. But it takes quite a bit of ice to cool water down to that temperature, especially if it's warm outside and that water is not already very cold. I noticed that the water comes out of my hose at somewhere in the 60, 65 degree range. Um, so if I want to cool that water down to 50 or 45 degrees, it actually takes quite a bit of ice. And what I had started to do was I was saving ice from our freezer in gallon bags. And as I accumulated a couple of those, then I would take an ice bath on that day and I dump that in there. And to my surprise, you know, handful of gallons, four gallons of ice really doesn't cool the water down as much as you would think. <clears throat> so I was talking with a couple friends and the option that I've started to do, which if uh, cost savings <clears throat> is one of your motivators as it was for me, um, this is actually working out pretty good. It's a little bit of an inconvenience, but not big enough for me not to do it. So what I've done is I have been freezing water bottles uh, that I've used and filling them back up with water, freezing them. And I have like 40 frozen water bottles that essentially are like 20 ounce ice cubes. And um, I toss those into my tank of water. And um, if I wait for about an hour, like I go toss those in and then I wait for them to start to really cool the water down. Uh, I noticed that that's working pretty well and it's reusable. As I finish that ice bath, I let those ice water bottles sitting there until they've completely, you know, like kind of thawed and got the water as cold as they can. And then I'll take those out and I'll let, I'll set them on a towel and I'll let them air dry so that they're not, the bottles aren't wet when I put them back in the freezer. 
And what this cadence has allowed me to do is about every two or three days um, through the refreezing and drying process, um, I'm able to get this water cold and do this ice bath. And then whenever I feel necessary, I drain that tank and I re refill the water so that I have clean water. Um, I do try to keep something over the top. There's not like a lid for this thing, but I do try to like cover it with something to prevent dust and things from getting in there when I'm not using it. Uh, and that has worked pretty well. So, you know, that strategy has worked really well for me. It's been a learning process for sure. And, um, you know, maybe I'll invest in one of these other options when we're in a different house situation. Um, cause we just don't have a lot of extra space right now. So something that's a little bit bigger would be a little bit of a, a hard thing for us. All right. So now let's get to the real like actionable steps of this. We talked about how cold the water should be. We talked about some of the effects that doing deliberate or purposeful cold exposure can have on our body. So how long do you need to do it in order to get some of these benefits? And full disclosure, I'm totally just snagging this information right here from what I read online. Um, I definitely didn't come up with this, but this is where some of the studies come from is if that water is cold enough, the minimum effective dose to produce some of these effects in a noticeable manner on the body is you want at least 11 minutes per week of total exposure to that cold. 11 minutes per week. So for example, that could be three times a week. You take a four or five minute ice bath, or maybe you do it more often per week. Maybe you do it like six times a week, but you do it for like two or three minutes and you get yourself in that 12 to 15 minute range. Um, that seems to be the effective amount to get some of the, the benefits of this. So if the water is cold enough, that's about what you need in order for this to be beneficial and for you to start to feel hopefully some of the dopamine release and the focus and the energy and building some of that grit and resilience. Uh, what I have noticed personally is <clears throat> the more often I do it per week, the easier it is for me to hop in the next day. Or, or two days later. There was one period of time since I started doing this where I went like two or three weeks because I was doing some traveling and stuff. I went like two or three weeks without doing it. And it was a little challenging for me to hop in that next day when I got back to my routine. Um, so I would say in terms of my personal experience with the grit and the resilience, the more consistency there is to your routine, uh, the easier it has been for me to do it. Now, you do not have to go out and buy any of these options necessarily just to get started. I mean, some of the things that you could do, I know cold showers are popular uh, with some people and they feel like a burst of energy or awareness when they do those. So that would be a great place to start gradually bringing down the temperature of your water when you're in the shower just to get this kind of shock to the system. And then most people listening to this probably have a bathtub in their house in addition to a stand-up shower um, or or your shower is in your, your bathtub. And that would be also a great place to start. Fill that bathtub up with cold water, throw some ice in there and just sit in there. I know that you won't be able to maybe, depending on how big you are and how big that bathtub is, you might not be able to get in all the way up past the shoulders to the level of the neck, but it's still a great place to start, to start especially if you are a... Uh, um, athlete that, you know, focuses on a lot of lower body things, you might notice some benefits in this. I know these are really popular in the world for endurance athletes, um, for people trying to use it as a sports recovery tool. So definitely can be something that's beneficial. So 
I would recommend starting there and then explore some of these other options, the ice barrel, the plunge, the stock tank like I have, doctoring up one of these chest freezers, whatever you think might be the best strategy for you. And then for more information on like diving into the real physiology of how this impacts you from a recovery standpoint, how it can affect your strength, how it can affect your endurance, your power, all this stuff, because there are some different effects on that. And some of the timing that they went into on that Huberman podcast was, you know, it might not be from a strength standpoint, the most beneficial from strength and hypertrophy to hop in an ice bath right after your training session. But for a recovery perception and for an endurance perspective, it can be beneficial. Um, so just kind of interesting there, but we won't, we won't go into all those details on this. The main thing that I wanted to highlight was the resilience, the grit, dopamine release, and some effects on the metabolic processes in our body, the energy and focus that we have are some of the main reasons that I do it because I have taken the last two years to try to focus more on not just the physical performance side of things, but my sleep, my stress, my recovery, um, in addition to what I'm doing in the gym. So if this was a, a podcast that was interesting to you, I would love for you to let us know that. I would love if you would take just a moment to go on whatever podcast platform you're on. Please leave us a review. Tell us about the things that you like on this episode. And then if this brings up more questions, please send them over to me. And if I don't know the answer, I'll try to figure it out. You know, I'll I'll continue to listen to other extremely smart people like Andrew Huberman that I've mentioned like five times on here. So I really appreciate your guys' time hanging out with me here on The Code, whether you're sitting, driving, wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so, so much. And I really look forward to catching you next time on The Code. Have a great day.